Good morning, Bethany, West Seattle. My name is Prentice. I get the privilege to be lead pastor here. Uh, and for those of you here uh, sitting in the sanctuary, welcome. Again, as Hannah said, uh, you braved the, well, what's left of the snow at least. And for those of you watching online or still traveling from your midwinter break, we just want to say welcome, uh, however you join us. Uh, this week is uh, an exciting week, at least for myself. We are starting a new series. Uh, and what's incredible is that we, uh, a couple months ago, we had just kind of a one-off sermon, and one of, it, one of the sermon topics between the two weeks uh, was on prayer, prayer and the Holy Spirit. So that's two weeks that we did a little series on. Uh, and then this week, today, we start a new series called Teach Us to Pray. And as you may have guessed, uh, we start a new series on what, what it means to be people of prayer, how to pray, uh, what does it mean to pray. And so uh, that'll be for a few weeks. And today we just start off kind of an intro of, of approaching what God says about prayer and how prayer uh, impacts our lives. And I would say... Uh, prayer is one of the most important aspects of the Christian faith. And if you're anything like me, sometimes it feels like we just don't have time or we don't know how or we're not good at it. And hopefully by the end of today, we can debunk all of that and we'll leave here uh, as people of prayer, of prayer warriors, of people that see God in all things. Um, and so with that said, uh, our sermon... Uh, this morning's text comes from uh, Luke chapter 11, uh, and I would say this, especially during Lent, uh, and maybe we can help with this, I would love for us as a community, uh, A, we have a small group that you can join just for Lent, uh, it's a book on Lent by um, Esau McCulley, I believe, a great author, and if you're interested in that group, you can uh, talk to someone at the connect table. JP, who's downstairs with the kiddos, will be leading that. Um, but I would love for us to not only be people of prayer, especially during Lent. The whole idea of Lent is a season of drawing close and uh, establishing a depth of intimacy with Christ. And so oftentimes that means giving something up. You know, we, we do this for 40 days. We give up sugar or we give up this or that or we add uh, a spiritual practice or something that's good for us. Uh, and the reason why we do that is for the sole purpose of drawing closer to God. It's not just for the sake of stopping something, although there's nothing wrong with that, especially if it's an unhealthy behavior or something you want to cut back on. But the idea is that whatever might be hindering you from experiencing the fullness of the Spirit it's asking the question, what would it look like to remove that, at least for a season even, uh, in order to do so? And so my hope for us as a community is for us to take that seriously and consider what God might have for us in this season of intimacy with him. So all that to say, Luke chapter 11, the word of the Lord says this, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He, Jesus, said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins. For we also forgive anyone who sins against us. And lead us 
not into temptation. That is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. God, thanks for your word. Thank you for teaching us how to pray. God, you've given, you've given us a model to emulate that seeks your heart. And may we believe that as we seek your heart, that that impacts our world, our lives, our city, our friends, uh, and most importantly, our, our relationship with you. And so thank you for this direct access to the Almighty, to the sacred, to the divine. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Uh, so a couple weeks ago, I took on a, a new challenge, and it's not something I do all the time, uh, but um, I, for those of you that know, uh, I also participate in this martial arts called jujitsu, and uh, the one of the coaches for the kids, they asked me if I would help coach a class last week, and I said, sure, I, I would love to, and now I've I've coached, not just taught, but I've, I've coached, uh, whether it's CrossFit or other things, for many years. And usually it's to adults. And so, like, how hard could it be to coach seven-year-olds? And so I was like, yes, I've done this for years. I'll help out. And I step in, and I tell you what, that was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. It's a whole different level to coach little kids. And, and then it made me think... Uh, about adults who work with kids all the time, whether you're an educator or a coach of, uh, to children or, or whatever it is, there was a newfound appreciation for those that work with young ones. And so, again, for the teachers and for the coaches out there, thank you for how you invest in the lives of kiddos, our next generation. And it's very, very hard. And so my hope is that in addition to that, that we would be so appreciative to our uh, educators and to those that work with kids. So sometimes it could, I, I would imagine it feels like an underappreciated job. And so please say thank you to your kiddos, teachers or educators, coaches, uh, because we are forming the next generation. So all that to say, it was very, very hard. Uh, but one of the things that we had to coach them in the sport of martial arts and grappling is that in jiu-jitsu, at the end of the day, One's goal in this grappling or wrestling is to, and this may sound crude, is to make them tap or to submit them with a, with a move, and you tap, and then it's all over, and it's great, and you keep going. Uh, it's called a submission. Our goal is to submit the person. Now, the golden rule that anyone learns, especially as a white belt, is there's this popular saying that says, before you attempt a submission, you have to establish position. So it's like kind of a rhyme where people will remember. And so it's like we always teach the adults and the kids and the, new, 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 the newbies uh, that, listen, if you don't remember anything at all, remember this. It's always position before submission. Position before submission. And so we're teaching that, and the kids... Forget that immediately. And so when we teach a move, it's usually a, a movement of moves to get to the last part. So there's like step one, step two, step three. 
Uh, but the kiddos forget that each position or each step is a position. They go straight from zero to 100, like really quickly. And we're like, no, 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 you got to slow down. And you have to, it's like climbing a ladder. You can't just go from the bottom to the top automatically. You have to go from one step to the next step to the next step. You have to establish this position before you go to the next move. Otherwise, not good things what happened? Position over submission. And I was thinking about that, and, and I was thinking about this idea of prayer, and sometimes uh, in the most basic and elementary way that there's something about position, positioning ourselves before we start entering into prayer that makes a difference. Before we enter into prayer, we all know what prayer is to, to keep it really simple. Prayer is essentially just talking with God, and, and many of us, whether you know it or not, we pray often. Uh, and many would say that prayer is a universal thing. Uh, that we oftentimes, we pray to something or somebody, the universe, to God, to Jesus, whatever it is. Obviously for us as followers of Jesus, we pray to the triune God. God, the Father, Son, and Spirit. And, and the idea is before we get to this idea of connecting and praying to God? What if we understood that there was a positionality that is important to understand before even going to God or as we go to God? And I would change it. I would change the word position to, to posture. What if there was something to be said about our posture as we go to God? The position, the posture. I love what St. Teresa of Lisieux says. She says, for me, prayer is a surge of the heart. It is, a it is a simple look turned towards heaven. It is a cry of recognition and of love, embracing both trial and joy. I love that. Prayer is just coming and just posturing ourselves where we look to the heavens, where we look to God with from our trials to joys and everything in between. And many of us, we've prayed all of these, whether it's praying for discernment. God, should I take this job? God, should I, should I move? God, should I enter into this relationship? God, should I break off this relationship? God, should I extend my forgiveness? God, should I do this or do that? There's this idea of discernment. God, would you forgive me? God, thank you. God, I'm listening. Many of us, we've prayed these prayers, and in the most simplest form, it really is just talking with God. Praying is just simply talking with God, turning our hearts to God, embracing both trial and joy. Now, as I define this idea of prayer, and I define it as praying or talking with God, not just to God, but praying is talking with God, I know it sounds extremely simplistic, but I want to do this very intentionally. I'm doing this very, very intentionally, just saying praying is just talking with God because oftentimes we've overcomplicated what prayer is. And so at the heart of what prayer is, I just want to define it as simply that, talking with God, just like we talk with those around us. Yes, it's a little different. There's no, there's no physical embodiment of somebody. There's no human body that we're talking to. Uh, and people that are, or someone that's talking back in this audible voice, though uh, there are people that have prayed or that pray that hear God uh, audibly. 
uh, I'm not one of them. And so sometimes I have to extrapolate what people mean by saying, oh, I was talking with God. Maybe we've heard this. I've, yeah, I was talking with God. And, oh, you know, I, I heard God say this to me. Oh, it was so clear. God said, I need you to take a left or, or whatever it is. And, and for a while, I've, I would always envy that because I'm like, I've literally never heard God in that audible fashion, like, Prentice, you must do this. I, like, I've never heard that. Not to deny that my friends that, that have, but I would also say that sometimes in the Christian faith, as we pursue a, a divine and mysterious and infinite God that we can't fully comprehend, we have to know that God speaks in a variety of different ways. Yes, sometimes it's audible. Sometimes it's through scripture. Sometimes it's just this stirring in our spirit, in our minds, that God is speaking to us, and we can't help but to know that is God. That's God. God speaks through our community, our pastors, our friends, our leaders, uh, even friends that aren't proclaiming Christianity. God speaks through them to speak to us. God speaks to us all the time through nature, through walks, whatever it is. God speaks, and may we listen. That is what prayer is. It's just talking with God, and we've overcomplicated things. Now, don't get me wrong. Prayer is an important in the midst of simplicity, prayer is absolutely important and crucial to the Christian life. It's mysterious. It's sacred. And the fact of the matter is, prayer is an avenue where in which we have direct access to the creator of the universe. That's what prayer is. And I hope that many of us, we listen to that, we, we hear what prayer is, and, and we're in awe. I hope that that brings in awe for you knowing that we, we can talk with God, that we have direct access. It's not through somebody. It's not through, you know, making sure that we have everything else correct in our own lives. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to do anything but just to say authentically and genuinely, God, I want to speak with you. God, let's have a conversation. God, and fill in the blank. So though praying is simply defined as talking with God, it sounds simple, but it's far from just simple. It's having direct access to the creator of the universe, the one who t calls us child, God. But yet, many of us, we find barriers to still speaking with God. And I would say our barriers are oftentimes narrowed down to three things. First, it's this thought that I don't need it. So there are many barriers to, to, to prayer, and I would say one barrier is just believing that you or I, we don't need to pray. Or I don't want to pray because we live in a world where we absolutely worship self-sufficiency. And, and I don't know about you, but asking for help just in general is very, very hard. Because I have been conditioned by our society, even by my own family system, that if I have a problem, I need to find the solution myself. That if there is a problem, it's probably my fault. If there is a problem in my life, then I have the power to solve it. And usually that's probably true, but there are moments where it's not, and we have to understand that we need God's help. We need God's help. 
in the world of self-sufficiency, in a society that says you need to figure out yourself, it makes it very hard for us to believe that I need to pray, that I need help from somebody else, let alone God. I remember several years ago, I, and I've talked about this place a lot. It was a, it was a restaurant that I would always frequent uh, while I was in grad school in Pasadena. And it was a restaurant called The Hat, and it was a pastrami sandwich shop. Uh, and, and I remember going in one day being really, really hungry. And I ordered a big old pastrami sandwich, and I sat, and I just started scarfing down. And I remember sharing this story because what happened to me was I was eating so fast, I started choking. And, and I don't mean just like, oh, something stuck in my throat. I don't know if you've ever actually choked and something was blocking your air passage, but you, you literally can't breathe at all, not even through your nose. Like, it's a weird concept because it's like I'm choking because something went down my, my mouth, but I can't breathe anywhere, not through my mouth, not through my nose. And then I was panicking, and I had the bright idea to, well, I need to eat something else or drink water to push it down. And so I did that, and it didn't help. So don't do that. I'm not, you know, a doctor, but don't do that. That doesn't seem, seem like a good idea. And so I didn't know what to do. I was sweating. I was choking. I was panicking. And I remember to myself, thinking to myself, I could just ask for help, and maybe someone that works there can come around and do the Heimlich, or I don't know. But my, my thought was I could either ask for help or not. I can just run outside. And for whatever reason, I chose plan B. I didn't ask for help. I just ran outside of the restaurant and thinking that if I stood up, walked around, just shook it off, that's kind of what I do, then it would get all, it would be better. And after, you know, a few seconds, like in my mind, this was like minutes, but you know, it was just a matter of seconds. I was praying and finally, like, I was like, God, please help, God, please help. See, everyone prays in an emergency. Everyone becomes a Christian or a God believer. God, please. You know, and what does the saying go? Like, there's no atheists in a foxhole. I mean, I feel like that's true in life. Anyway, so I was like, God, you know, please help me. And lo and behold, things went down and it was all good. But then I walked back into the restaurant thinking to myself, I would have literally died before I asked for help. And for many of us, we're very similar to that. And maybe you would be smarter than I was at that day at the restaurant. But many of us, we have a really hard time asking for help. It's a sign of weakness is what we're told. It's a sign that we don't have it put together. Or, or you know, in this highly individualistic, pull yourself up by the bootstrap uh, kind of world, it feels like a sense of detriment to ask somebody to help you in whatever it is. And so it's no matter and it's no surprise for us that praying is really hard and there's a, there's a barrier in prayer because we feel like we don't need it. I don't need to pray. I'll figure it out myself. And maybe that's you. I know a lot of times that's me. Why should I pray? I can figure it out by myself. And maybe you wouldn't even use those words out loud, but in reality, that's the way we live, is that we can just do it by ourselves. Secondly, it's either I don't need it, but secondly, it's I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Sometimes it feels crazy to believe that there's a God out there that hears your little prayers about thanking God that 
you got something new or something great happened or you're, maybe you're dealing with this big life circumstance, whether it's a decision for a job, maybe it's a health, maybe you got bad news, a bad diagnosis, and you're sitting down in your chair or on the floor on your knees or whatever it is, and you're just praying, and you're like, God, do you even hear me? Maybe you're going through a broken relationship. Maybe it's right now. Maybe you're just overwhelmed with work. Maybe you don't know where the next meal is coming from. Maybe you feel like you failed as a friend, as a spouse, as a parent. You're like, God, all I want is some help. God, would you help me? Why is nothing changing? And suddenly it just feels like, yes, I do believe in God. I go to church, I read the Bible, I have Christian friends, I, you know, I do this and that. But it's, and so it's not that I don't believe that God <clears throat> answers prayers, I just feel like God doesn't answer my prayers. And so suddenly there's another barrier. So there's a barrier of I don't need it, I don't believe it. And I would say the third one, and, I'll, and, and everything boils down to one of these, the last one I would say, I don't know how to do it. And usually the, the barrier of I don't know how to do it is just a, a misunderstanding of what prayer even is. Again, going back to the basics, prayer is literally just having a conversation with God. It's just talking with God as we would talk with anybody else. And I want to just repeat that, that basic statement over and over again because sometimes we lose the framework of what prayer is. Again, I'm not holy enough. That's what pastors do, or that's what good Christians do. Or I don't even know how to pray. I don't know you have the right words, because I hear my friends praying, and when, I, when my friends pray in public, they use, you know, Bible words and big fancy words, and, and I don't even know what that means, and so I don't really know how to pray. Well, really, it's because many of us, we don't understand. Literally, it's just praying. It's just talking with God. Remember, I was, several years ago, I was working at a juvenile detention center, and I was a chaplain. I was a volunteer chaplain with a few other uh, youth pastors. And we went in, and this was like high security, level three, juvenile detention center. And I was talking with some of the kiddos. These were like not even teenagers, maybe they're like 12 years old, 10 years old, maybe some of them were like 13 to 14, and they were in there for some really big, big stuff and for a long time. And there was a particular kid that I was talking to who at 18 would be transferred, so he's probably there now, uh, to an adult prison to serve close to the, to the rest of his life, which that's a whole different problem in and of itself. With, Anyways, uh, and he wanted to pray with me. And he was like, I don't know how to pray. And I was saying the same thing. I was like, literally, it's just speaking with God. It's just talking with God. And he said, okay. And so I was like, I'll go first. And so I pray, and I was like, God, comfort, peace, and, and all of that, forgiveness. And, and then I was like, hey, so it's just like that. Just, just talk with God. And he says, okay. And then he started praying. And he was praying from the bottom of his heart. And he was like, God, things are just so beep, like, effed up, and God, I, like, I feel so S-word, and that word, and this word, and at first second, I was like, I'm not going to be next to you when you get struck by lightning, buddy, you know, like, 
But at the end of the day, I, I look back and I'm like, that was probably more of a genuine prayer than sometimes I hear in church. And so is there something to be said about, you know, language? Yes, sure. Is there something to be said about, you know, like how to come to God with honor and praise and worship? But honestly, I think he did. Did he know any better? Probably not, but that was the beauty of it. He came to Jesus with his context and his life and, you know, his, his un, or lack of understanding and pray like a child. And I was like, wow, yeah, that is what prayer is. It's just coming to God with our genuine selves. And so this idea of like, I don't know how to pray. I don't have the big words to use. It's okay. It's just talking with God. And so the problem is, many of us, we have all these barriers. I don't need God. I don't believe in prayer. I don't believe that God answers my prayers. Or it might be, I don't know how to do it. The problem is we start to overcompensate by hyper-focusing on performance, on perfection, when prayer, again, is all about our posture. It's the posture of our prayer that prepares our souls to connect with the holy. It's not the fancy words. It's not the performative actions. It's not the length of our prayer. When we genuinely speak and have a conversation with God and we come with this posture saying, God, I just want to speak with you. I just want to ask you questions. God, I just want to tell you I love you. God, I just want to tell you that I'm sorry. God, I just want to tell you, like, I need something. We overcomplicate it. We overcompensate. And instead of thinking about posture, we think about performance and perfection. It's the posture that brings intimacy between us and God. I love Luke chapter 18, this story. Many of us may have heard this story of Jesus given a parable of what kind of prayer that is genuine and authentic and that God hears. Listen to these words. Jesus says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, so Pharisees are a very religious person who does everything by the law. One, one a Pharisee and a tax collector. Tax collectors was known as one of the worst sinners people that were outcasted in society because they uh, took advantage of people. They collected tax for, uh, for uh, the, the Roman Empire. And, and one of the ways that the Roman Empire collected taxes was they would hire a, a Jewish citizen to go into the Jewish homes and collect the taxes for, uh, for, the, for the Roman Empire. But the... The key is, is that they can charge not only the tax, but whatever they wanted for themselves to pocket. And so what would happen is these people that were hired by the Roman Empire would go in, collect taxes for the Roman Empire, and ask for anything on top of that for them to pocket. And so they were not only highly considered traitors in the Jewish community, but they were highly disliked and seen as traitors and sinners in their community. So Jesus sets up this story in this parable. There's two men. One, a Pharisee, a very religious person, a tax collector, a, a rotten sinner in their eyes. 
The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to the heaven, but he would beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then Jesus says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. You see, the biggest difference between the tax collector and the Pharisee, there was a sense of authenticity, and not just any type of authenticity, but a sense of humility in it. The tax collector knew that it wasn't about performance. It wasn't about perfection. It was about this posture saying, Jesus, or God, forgive me. In his posture and humility is like, God, I'm not even worthy to look up to the heavens because I've done wrong. And it's not in this place of, of shame or, or guilt or unworthiness. But this tax collector knew that the posture is, God, I acknowledge my weakness and my brokenness. God, would you forgive me? God, would you just be with me? God, would you change my life and change the way I treat people? It was a posture of honesty, of just talking with God. On the other hand, this Pharisee was just almost bragging about how incredible he is, not understanding their own brokenness or their own sin and legalism or whatever it is or how they treated people, how they mistreated people. It was, God, thank you for making me so awesome, essentially. God, thank you that I don't have a single problem in the world. God, thank you that you've created me to do nothing but great things. I even tithe. I do this and that. And God, thank you mainly that I'm not like that guy. We may not pray this, but sometimes we, we live like this. We, we behave like this. God, thank you I'm not that person. A sense of self-righteousness that we don't need a, a Savior. And prayer is basically in this posture saying, I am a broken person who is in need of a God, and I worship a God that loves me, that forgives me, and that transforms my entire life. This is what we learn from the tax collector. And in the first century, if I or if anybody were to say, hey, guess what? We have something to learn from somebody like a tax collector, particularly over a Pharisee, an expert in the law, people would be outraged. This is a radical statement. This was almost sacrilegious thing to say. But yet Jesus said it. Jesus says, if you want to know how to pray, I want you to be not like this expert in the law, this religious person. Ironically, I don't want you to be like this religious person. I actually want you to be like this sinner, this tax collector, who's on his knees, being postured in a way that says, God, I am broken and I need you. What if we approach God in, in that manner? Rather than, God, I can do it by myself. That's what the tax collector was doing. 
God, thank you that I just am so great at everything I do. I can do it myself. Instead of that posture, what if we had the posture that said, God, I can't do it myself. God, I need you. I don't know which direction to take. Spirit, would you just come and would you speak to me? God, would you bring people in my life to, to speak through? Oh, or what if we came with a different posture of, God, I know that you talk to other people, but you won't, you won't talk to me. If anyone had a sense to feel that way, it was this tax collector. I can imagine tax collectors during that time saying, I'm not worthy. Why in the world would God help me? The tax collector, I would imagine, would say, I, I understand why you would help the religious person because that person, as he describes, does all the right things, says all the right prayers, dresses in a certain way, reads the book X amount of times a day. And this tax collector, I would imagine in his mind, he's saying, why would God listen to me? God will answer their prayers, but not mine. But Jesus flips that upside down and Jesus says, no, actually, it's you. It's the person with the posture of humility that acknowledges their brokenness and their need of a Savior that God wants to speak with and justifies. And I don't know how to pray. Well, that person, that tax collector didn't know how to pray. So much so that he was just pounding on his chest saying, God, I'm not worthy. God, would you just help me? That's it. And Jesus says, you're the one. And then we get back to Luke chapter 11. I love how this starts. One day Jesus was praying at a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. When you pray, pray this, and then the famous Lord's Prayer. But I want you to not miss the beginning part. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And this isn't the first time that the Bible talks about Jesus being in a specific place. Uh, where he goes off and prays and communes with God himself. And not just Jesus, but I would say many of the leaders and, and the world changers and the difference makers in the Scripture had moments where they went off in a way to pray to God. So if we're talking about what does this posture look like, yes, it's a posture of humility, of understanding our brokenness, that it's just being genuine with our words. It's just keeping it really simple, saying, God, here's what I have to say. God, I want to listen. God, speak. There's ways that we can posture ourselves to pray. And the first thing that Jesus teaches us with his own life is that Go to a certain place. Jesus went to a certain place. In other words, Jesus, again, often retreated even when it was busy. Even when it was chaotic, Jesus made time, what I would say that it's talked about in Psalms chapter 46, to know and to be still and to know that God is God. In Psalms, in Psalms chapter 46, it says, be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know that I'm God. Jesus did that very well. 
Jesus had a lot of things to do, that people in town always chased him down, said, God, Jesus, would you heal me? We know that you're the son of God. Would you heal me? Would you forgive me? Would you change my life? Would you heal my daughter? Would you heal my friend? Would you heal my sibling? All these requests. And oftentimes Jesus said, yes, I will do it. Jesus, forgive us. Yes, I will do it. Jesus, will you come over here? Will you go over there? He would travel miles and miles and miles just to be with people. And yet, even in the sense of chaos and busyness, Jesus oftentimes set aside a time and place to go to, to just be still and know that God was God. And Jesus did this, knowing his place in the story as a son of God. Do you know that when you're praying, that you are praying to the Most High, to our Father, to a parent, to somebody who loves us, who wants the best for us. And this is an important understanding to have. I love what A.W. Tozer says, and, and I, I talk about A.W. Tozer a lot because the book called The Pursuit of God changed my life. Thin little book. I try to read it every single year for Lent. The Pursuit of God. I would encourage anyone to read that. Very simple, a little devotional. And in that it says this. It says... What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I love that. How we think about God is the most important thing about us. Do you believe that when we are still and we come before God to ask for help or to thank God or to just be with God, do you believe that God is there in the midst of you, right next to you, through the Spirit, that God is present that cares and li- if that if you believe that, that changes everything. But maybe you don't. Maybe we're like God is so far away. Regardless of what you believe, how you believe that God shows up or doesn't show up, how you believe that prayer works and not works, is going to be the most important thing we believe about God and about ourselves. And my hope for us is that when we go away to this certain place and pray. We believe that God is listening. And so it's worth it. Many of us, we live a busy life. School, job, school and job. School, job, and children. Friendships, marriage, hobbies. There's always something to do. Always. And maybe, you know, you work at a job where you're like, nothing is ever finished. I could always do the next project or the next project. Oh, then I need to work on something around the house. Then I need to, uh, you know, learn something new. Then I need to go grocery shopping. Then I need to uh, eat. I need to sleep at some point, right? There's never enough hours or minutes in a day. And so what are the first things that, that go? Well, oftentimes, probably it's your time with God, especially as a follower of Jesus. And one pastor says, sometimes in life, we're too, bu- we're too busy not to pray. We're too busy not to pray. And my hope and prayer is that in the life of just hurry and, and performance and achievement, that we would be like Jesus to find a certain place to get away, to retreat, I was looking at, you know, information around social media. What I would say, technology, social media is one of the biggest things that takes us away 
from our certain place with Jesus, really from our significant relationships just in general. And one of the statistics I heard is that the videos, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, or whatever it is, the ones that get the most views or most attention are videos that are less than seven seconds. Videos that are less than seven seconds. Why? Because that's the only amount of attention that many of us have in life. And so when you're scrolling through or people are scrolling through, if it's too long, they just skip right through it because we live in a life of hurry. If it's between five to seven seconds, then it's like, oh, perfect. I have just enough for that, and then I move on. We live in a life of urgency, of the next, of the new, of the bigger, of the, of the better. We don't know what it feels like to just be still. The other day I was in a grocery store line, and, and there used to be a time where I would wait in line and just wait in line. Like, it's not a big deal. You wait in line. But I was getting fidgety because there was like two or three people you know, then you start getting a little attitude. You start counting how many groceries they have, even though it's a 12 and under line. And, you know, you're just like, that's 15, dude. What are you doing? What are you doing? And I get so fidgety, I grab out my phone, and then I just start, like, mindlessly looking stuff up, reading the news or whatever. Because it's just hard just to be still. And for whatever it is, whether it's technology or you can blame something else or somebody else, we hate silence. We hate stillness. Even when I'm by myself, my wife right now, Maria, she's in Bellingham um, with some girlfriends for her birthday, and I was home last night, and I really didn't know what to do with myself, and it was really quiet. And so I was like, this is weird. I don't, I don't like this. So I just turned on the TV. I wasn't even watching it. It, it was, you know, I just let the reruns of, uh, uh, dang it, What's, it's not Love is Blind, okay? I talk about that a lot. It's a show when they come in and... Um, they have inventions, and they try to sell it to Mark Cuban. Shark Tank, yes, yeah, sorry, Shark Tank. And I just let it run because I just didn't want the silence. And many of us, we don't like that. So we become workaholics. We pack our schedules. We have meetings. We, we move on from project to the next project without even finishing the first project because we just need to be on the move. And yet Jesus models that if you want this posture, remember, position before submission. The first thing we want to do is posture ourselves where we're away from distraction. Yes, is driving and saying, hey, God, thanks for the day. Is that prayer? Absolutely. Hey, when you're taking a shower, when you're in the bath, whatever, talking to God, is that prayer? Yes. When you're walking to the store or walking to the next room and you're like, God, thanks for this awesome house. Like, is that prayer? Yes. But what if we set aside time and entered into this posture of saying, you know what? In the midst, there's always something to do, always, no matter what, there's always something to do. Yet in the midst of busyness and chaos, like Jesus, I'm going to just walk away for a second and find that sacred place. And again, maybe that sacred place is uh, your chair in your kitchen. Maybe it's uh, sitting on the bed. Maybe, maybe it is the bathroom, sitting somewhere. Maybe it is in the shower. Maybe it is in your I don't know what it is for you. But what if it's a place where you just go to a certain place like Jesus and just retreat? Maybe for the first time it's a minute. Maybe it's five minutes. Maybe it's for a half an hour. I don't know what it is for you. 
But the posture of praying begins with positioning ourselves in stillness and knowing that God is God. Let prayer slow you down. Let prayer give you a chance to just take a deep breath. May prayer give us the strength to resist what the world asks of us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So be still and know that God is God. Secondly, be soft. Be soft. Prayer gives us an opportunity just to be soft. To just soften our hearts before God and just to surrender. Let your guard down. I can do everything by myself. Oh, I'm so angry right now. I'm not in a good mood. I have so much things to do. I'm busy. Life is chaotic. Why am I sitting here praying? Just take a deep breath. Be still. Be soft. Let your guard down. Drop your need to be in control. Let go of your need to think you can solve every problem. Let prayer just carry you. I love that idea of just in the midst of so much that's going on in life, whether you're just watching the news, whether it's even in your own family, whether it's a bad phone call, whether it's a broken relationship, whether it's your finances, your job, your confusion, whatever it is. When we get away like Jesus did, even if it's just for a minute, just be still. That gives us an opportunity just to be soft, just take a deep breath and say, God, you're in control. There's nothing I can do. God, carry me. I can't do this alone. Be still, be soft, and lastly, be curious. I wish it would have started with an S, so everything would be like three S's in prayer, but I can't. Be curious in your prayer. Maybe this is hard for you, but for once in my life, I have to just come and say, okay, I'm going to be still, I'm going to be soft and let God do what God needs to do, And I want to be curious. I don't want to just come with all the answers. Many of us, we pray that way. God, here's my prayer. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to do this. You're going to heal this. You're going to give me this. You're going to give me that. We we treat God like a magic genie or like this this hotline, this crisis hotline. And, And I think there's nothing wrong with that. There are moments where we're like, God, I need you. But may we go to God with curiosity. God, what do you want from me? God, how do you want me to even pray? In Romans 8, 26, it says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through the, through the wordless groans. And in Luke chapter 12, uh, right after Jesus teaches them how to pray, uh, G- Luke says, For this Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say in your prayer. So not only be still, be open, be soft, and be curious. Spirit, just come and even give me the words to pray. What should I be praying for right now? 
Who should I be praying for right now? God, will you right now, in the moment of my, my certain place, my prayer chair, my bed, my, my, my corner, my closet, whatever it is, in this, moment of, in this moment of my retreat, God, would you bring people into minds? Spirit, would you just fill me with the things to be praying for? Maybe it's myself. God, would you reveal to me my shortcomings? You know, and sometimes... It's really hard to know our own shortcomings. Uh, this is really fresh, so it's kind of an embarrassing story to share. But uh, last week, and, and my CrossFit coach, Chelsea, sitting right there just, re- just looking at it, reminded me of the story. Right now, it's what we would call the CrossFit Open, which is like worldwide, you do a competition, everyone does the same workout, and you enter the score online, and you just kind of compare yourself. It's kind of a big deal. And I was doing my workout, and I had a judge. And this judge is actually a really good friend of mine. She's actually, coincidentally, a pastor at Bethany Greenwick. And uh, she was counting my reps. So I was doing these pull-ups, and they're like, one, two, three. And then if your chin doesn't get over the bar, then it's her job to say, no rep. Like, it doesn't count. I have to do it over again. So I was doing it, and she said, no rep. And I was like, darn that's a bummer. Okay. And I, and I keep doing it. And she's like, sorry, another one and another one. And I was like are, you, like, are you sure it's not the angle? Like, what if I just move here? Because I swear when I'm doing this, I'm like 10 feet over the bar. Like, I'm good. Like, I feel like my chin is far over the, the, the pull-up bar. And she's like, no, I'm sorry. I'm like, are you? Okay. So I keep going. Another no rep. I had like five or six no reps. And I literally was like, I th- could you just stand right here? Like, I, maybe, it's this, maybe it's this angle. This whole time, it's like, basically, it's not my problem. You're just reading it wrong. And, and then I was like, okay, I finished it. I was tired. I was frustrated with myself. I go to Maria, my wife. She'll always be a straight shooter. I was like, did it look like I wasn't getting over the bar a few times? She was like, no, you weren't. Like, those were good calls. And I was like, dang it, okay. I was wrong. And, and sometimes we approach life like that. Like, we have nothing wrong with us. But sometimes we need somebody, like an honest spouse or an honest friend or like God, to say, you know what? You have blind spots. And sometimes when we're in our prayer closet or our certain place, we're praying, and maybe our prayer is, God, I feel like this Pharisee where I'm like, I have everything going for me. Things are perfect. I'm good. But am I right about that? <laughs> and I promise you, sometimes... God will just shatter that and say, well, here are the ways that you've broken my heart. Here are the ways that I'm sad for you. Here are the ways that you've hurt others. Oh, Spirit, thank you so much. Thank you for moving me from being this Pharisee to this tax collector. Thank you that you've removed my blinders. And now, God, you've shown me where I need to change and repent. So be still, be soft, be curious. And as a worship team comes back up, as we end in a moment of reflection, here's what I just want you to do in your practice this week. Just find that physical space and time wherever that might be, whenever that might be, to just be still 
be soft, to be curious. God, what do you have for me? Again, it might be like two minutes in your kitchen. It might be right when you wake up and you're just in bed. And it's not an excuse to stay in bed. It's your space of prayer. Maybe it's right before you turn on the engine in your car before going to work and you're like, you know what? I'm just going to pray for like two minutes before I take off. Maybe it's right when you sit down at work and say, okay, before my workday starts, I just need to pray. Maybe it's for one minute. Maybe it's for one hour, which is very rare that I even do that. Not that I should, I don't know why I just said that. But it's just rare for me. So maybe it doesn't have to be for an hour. Maybe it's just for a few minutes. Every day. I know that sounds daunting. Every day. You want me to do this every day? You do a lot of things every day. Do you brush your teeth every day? The answer is I hope so. Probably twice a day. Do you take a shower every day? Bad example, because I don't. But there's things we do every single day. Talking to God can be up there. It's okay. It's doable. So may we come to God with an open heart, with an open mind. God, speak to me. God, here I am. God, here's what I need. God, thank you. Let's pray together now. God, thank you that you've given us direct access to be in relationship with you. We don't have to go through somebody else. We don't have to clean up our act before going to you. We don't have to memorize certain words and vocabulary to come to you. You just ask us to be our whole selves and to be honest and to understand our brokenness for a God. So thank you that you hear us. Remind us to pray every day, to just speak with you. God, give us that holy space in our homes that brings about intimacy. God, in our busyness and our chaos, may it be so that it's so chaotic, so busy, it would be foolish not to pray. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.